Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Bring spring color inside this season with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bare exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. I'm off my game today. No, you're not. That's true. People are going to have to start making better content. I think we're going to be talking about this for a long time. When you program for everyone, you program for no one. I think it's that we're a purpose-driven platform. Like, we're trying to get to substance. How was that? Are you happy with that? Yeah. This is marketing therapy right now. It it really is. (laughs) What's up? I'm Laura Carinti. And I'm Alexa Kristen. Welcome back to Adlandia, episode 23. Happy holidays, Adlandia. Happy holidays. We're right in the thick of it. When aren't we in the thick of it? That's also true. It's been quite a year. It's been an amazing year. Amazing. So many fabulous conversations, insightful feedback. Phenomenal audience. Yeah, we are obsessed with our Atlandia community, which just continues to grow and inspire us. And all of the feedback and conversations that we're having on social has just been um, pure inspiration for a lot of the questions and guests that we have had. And so we can't thank all of you enough for sticking this out with us over the last 10 months, 11 months. I think Atlandia is taking over. That's right. 2018. But that said, we also know that the industry is super volatile right now. There's lots of change. There's lots of questions. Everybody's talking about the media bubble. Yeah. There's digital companies that aren't hitting their goals. There's consolidation. There's collaboration. There's a lot of people saying that the agency model is broken. The industry is falling apart. The sky is just crashing down around us. What do we see? Opportunity, baby. A whole lot of opportunity. When we sat down and we said, who do we need to bring on to close out the year The year strong? Somebody that is going through change herself. Somebody that uh, reflects, I think, everything that I and you believe in. Uh, believe in. That's Beth Comstock. Yep. 
So, Beth, above and away of, of being obviously a change, and I think we've been on the front lines of actually seeing the way she operates. And I think she's like the archetype in my mind for what leadership should be in the future. What do you mean by that? So, magnanimous, giving people a voice and a platform, listening to maybe the people, the underdogs, or the quiet voices, and taking everyone with her. Yeah, That's something Beth has done. And I think that more leaders can learn from her and how to embrace change, but also create an environment where people feel safe to change themselves, to voice, you know, new ideas and to challenge truly the status quo. And um, I don't know. My hope is that more people use Beth as a model for that. I totally I plus one that. Yeah. And I think as uh, she is riding into the next chapter of her career, both literally and figuratively. She'll be putting out a book in 2018 about change. Um, Imagine It Forward is the title. I think it's just interesting to kind of head into the interview and talk about what inspired her, what rattled her, what shaped her. How Um, she dealt with change and how she embraced it. Right. So with that, Beth Comstock. We'll be right back. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So, buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So, how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. 
Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. 
Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. What's up, Atlandia? We're back in the studio with one of our favorite... Favorite favorites. Like favorite. Yeah. Girl boss, executive leaders vice chairwoman of ge beth comstock welcome to the show beth thanks glad to be here <laughs> thanks for coming down and doing this with us happy to i'm a big fan of yours oh thank you You trekked all the way to brooklyn i tracked to brooklyn i can do it <laughs> you know, it's I funny actually i said, get my way here i asked her and i said it's in brooklyn she's like alexa i have no problem coming to brooklyn <laughs> <laughs> well it's, living in new jersey it's like going to europe yeah that's a me. long trip for it's new fun. jersey <laughs> yeah same thing so, Beth, one of my questions that I've thought so much about when I think of you is you have this amazing career. And I've always wondered, was it more kind of premeditated your moves or was it more serendipitous? It was definitely serendipitous. I um, would love to tell you I had a master plan and it all worked according to plan, <laughs> but it didn't at all. I set out to have a career in media, and in many ways I did, but it wasn't the way I thought I would I would have it. So I started out thinking I was going to be a science reporter, and here I am, not at all doing that. Um, <laughs> never say never. Never yeah, say yeah. never. But sure. I do think sometimes I should have been more deliberate in planning. You know, you tend to take, you, you get into the rhythm of your role, of your job, and you yeah. see the next thing ahead of you, and you think I have to have that as opposed to saying... Do I need that? Is there something else? I didn't do as much of that. Did you do a lot of like role creation in your career? I did. I feel like job crafting is something that I really believe in and it's something I really took to heart. And what do I mean by that? You take a job, usually a job that not everybody thinks is that great, and you make it really great because you see the potential in it that maybe others don't see. Someone asked me recently actually about that. Like when you get into a job and you're not challenged, what do you do? And my response was, are you sure it's not challenging? And I feel like you actually taught me that, to look at things differently so that I found my own challenges. I found my own kind of road signs and, and road markers. I mean, was there ever a time where you kind of sat down and said, I'm not challenged, and then re-architected it so that you were and that you created something new? I feel like every job I've had has had some that that point. Yeah. Uh, I think we all have those. We have jobs where you're like, oh, I've done everything. And then there's a new project that comes along or you put your hand up and say, I'd love to get involved in that. And you do, but people don't think about it until you raise your hand to do it. I remember once there was a big job I wanted. And um, this is more about confident, lack of confidence, but it was open for six months. I was working at NBC. It was open for six months, and they didn't fill it. So I marched up to the HR, the head of HR, and I was like, you know, I probably didn't, didn't march up. I, I <laughs> tiptoed up and, you know, stood around his office and got my nerve up. And then I said, uh, can I apply for that job? I, You know, I was really indignant they hadn't asked me to apply for it. He said, yeah, we thought about you, but... You have daughters, and you you know we didn't think you'd want to travel, mm. and that was a big lesson. One, I wish you wouldn't have thought that, but two, he I never put my hand up to say I wanted to do it, and I can decide if I'm going to travel or not. Yeah. So that was a good lesson to me to just put yourself out there, and if you don't tell people what you want to do, they're never going to know it. There's two valuable lessons in that. Many. One is the 
cultural context of what we're currently in is, you know, women, and uh, we were tweeting about this the other day, like, 2018 it, to us is, like, the year of women in media. Like, it is full stop, like... I think it's the year of, of women in business. Yeah. yeah. And uh, selfishly, media. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> media um, business. Yeah. But, you know, it's interesting, but also, and I think we learned this really well from Mika Brzezinski, you know, it's like, ask for what you want. Yeah. yeah. And so, like, never has the barrier been lower and the opportunity higher, so it's interesting to see where or how that's affected you as a woman in business over all these years? Well, you, had a, you said an important thing, ask for what you want. You have to know what you want, too. I yeah. think a lot of us, certainly early in, in our careers, um, we don't always know what we want. I didn't always know what I wanted. So I think there's a lot of trying things out. The first job, there's some jobs you have to admit, hey, I got something out of this, but it's not going to get me where I want to go. Mm-hmm. So I do think you have to know what you want and not just take the thing that comes along either. Super important. The fear confidence thing you've talked a lot about um, in public, you know, talking about being an introvert. How have you kind of over time gotten over that or have you gotten over it? Is it more you've kind of quieted the voice of fear? Yeah, I think that's a big part of it, Lex. It's quieting that voice. And I think you realize that maybe everyone has those crazy voices totally. in their head and at some point you're thinking you're the only one and you don't want to know what goes on in my head <laughs> I would like to actually I, I think that'd be a fun place a to lot of curse words. tune in a lot of curse words yeah. <laughs> but so yeah I think partly you have to get out of your own head you just have yeah. to stop obsessing about it yeah and I think just experience you just you take one step and you go maybe you're only proud to yourself sometimes it's the stupidest little thing I ask a question in that meeting yeah I ask one question that's all it takes it's just one question and everybody else would be like what you know and and you just did it so I think it's those kind of things for me that was just little series of challenges that I would push myself and then I go see you can do it so you're unbelievably thoughtful in general I think you're a thinker did you like think about I'm going to reward myself like I have to tell myself that was good and then move on and then move on and then move on. I mean, was it self-reflection? I think it's self-reflection. Yeah, I think it is because it's also trying to get over that fear. You're just so fearful. It's that pit in your stomach. And mm-hmm. and if you're, not, if you're not shy or, you know, you lack, if you don't lack confidence, you don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, but it is, and it's just getting over it. So you have to have that talk to yourself. The other thing that I um, do a lot is the second guessing and the uh, after the fact, uh, beat myself up. Oh, you should have asked that question. Oh, why'd you say that dumb thing? That's something that I've really had to work on to just say it's over. It's done. Yeah, you, you know, know, just move on. Laura says, Alexa, move on. <laughs> she does all the time. She's like, move on. Wait, but, but I'm you guilty just of that too. I'm you guilty of that too. I mean, the amount of weight I've lost and then gained back and, and worrying about those things after the fact. And it's just like, it's what's done is done. And yeah. that's, that's a difficult um, thing. You know, it's funny, you know, Alexa talks about you having, and you're very open about the introvert thing. I, so many talks we've seen you give and you're very open about what that's been like as a leader. Yet we were just at uh, a celebration in your honor where I think, 10 of the 11 people who got up and spoke about you use the word, you're the spark. And I think there's some and the beautiful power. irony mm. in having self-identified as an introvert, but all of the people you've worked with talk about you as the catalyst. How have you been able to shape that role over time and figuring out how to harness that ability and use it in a room where you've gone in and have met with everybody from... I'll give away a little bit about your your book we'll talk about in a second. You know, the CIA to the team in Schenectady, you know. 
Yeah, well, I think um, partly it's just experience and being older, right? You just, you sort of work your way through that. But I, for me, I had to get over that fear. And it's just lead with curiosity. Ask questions about people. You, you, For the people I work with, it's not about do what I say. It's about how do I help you do the best thing? How mm. do I help you be the best person? And I think you have to get to that point where for a manager or somebody who leads a team, it's about the performance of the team. It's not about command and control, do what I say. Mm-hmm. So hearing that makes me feel really good because it's something I feel like I've really worked on. Yeah. And it's consider this. It's not do this. It's consider this. What do you think about this? So sure. I think you have to just work your way there. And there's a chemistry. It's working with people who you, you get each other, right? Mm-hmm. There's something really important when you work with people where you finish each other's sentences, you have a certain energy. It's not to say you're all alike. In fact, the teams we've worked with are all very different. Right. I think it's important to f- hire people with big differences. But you make it about the work and you don't you make it bigger than yourselves and I think that's an important lesson totally there are ideas all (laughs) around you I mean you you know there's no shortage of ideas how have you or have you created a little bit of a framework or a focus for yourself to say this is the thing that I'm going to move forward with well as you know Alexa having worked together I think I've been accused of chasing after too many ideas and I will stand uh, totally guilty of that I haven't met an idea I don't love for maybe at least a minute (laughs) and so I think that's when I work with other people it's like I love this you know and if you're not careful everybody's like what do I do with this I got to go investigate this as opposed to saying I love it I don't know what to do with it let me figure it out and I'll come back to you and if you don't come back it's not that important but to me I I like to wallow around in ideas. I like to see, is there a possibility here? I like to consider things. And um, I look a lot for patterns. You know, you see it once, you see it twice, you think it's a coincidence, you see it three times and you go, wait, there's something there. And then I think it's a question of, does that, can I bring that back to the company I work for? Can I bring it back to GE? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, It's interesting, but it doesn't make sense for us. So I think there's a lot of wallowing around in ideas and I I like doing that. You and I were talking (coughs) like, I want to say two months ago and we were talking about anybody, not anybody, but there are a lot of ideas and there are a lot of idea generators. But marrying a great idea with someone who can actually get it done and land the plane is so important. There's magic in that. How have you gone from, because you're not just an idea seeker. I mean, I've worked with, we've both worked with you. We know that you're an idea creator. And I think that's a huge differentiator, by the way, for people um, in business uh, in general. Because I think there are really, there are people who are really good at spotting great ideas that someone else has. And then there are also people who are really good at coming up with ideas. I think you are both. How do you, or is there kind of a Beth Comstock playbook, if you will, for getting a great idea into the right, you know, place that it's executable and impactful? Yeah, I I think it's a stick to itness. I don't, I just, I think it's just not giving up on an idea that you feel passionately about. It doesn't mean it has to be executed exactly the way you see it in the beginning. It rarely is. But I think I've seen too many people who they lose interest after the first thing goes wrong. They lose patience because it's hard. And I don't know, I just think I've developed a fortitude to see an idea and really stick with it and the teams we're in to keep going back in and find those moments when you just want to all kill each other that you sort of take a pause (laughs) and you come back. So I think there's a bit of just recognizing the stages of ideas and the struggle, the messiness of it. Yeah, you've talked a lot about not taking no for an answer. You've told some stories um, about working at NBC it's not and, it's and, the quote that I love, yeah. uh, not to interject, but it's um, 
It's like no, no doesn't no means not yet. yet. Yeah. yeah, no means not yet. One of my yet. favorite Beth Comstock isms. It, 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 mine too. I might tattoo it actually. <laughs> no, <laughs> we'll all go do it. If you yeah, can, yeah, can you write it and put it in your file? Put it in <laughs> yeah, I love it. So no means not yet. Has there ever been a moment where you're like, shit, I am pissing my boss off or I'm pissing someone off by coming back with this oh, idea? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And how do you get over that and say, I don't give a shit. Like, this is right. Well, I think you have to be so passionate about that idea. You have to be like, I am going to die if this idea doesn't go forward. And <laughs> I will do anything to make this idea happen. Yeah. And so you believe in the people who are behind the idea. You believe in the outcome of the idea. And so it's not about you. Yeah. So then you're just the vessel. You're just the one that gets in there. And um, I think there's an art to some of that they have to learn. There's a time. I've learned from various people I've worked with. You know, don't go and pitch them an idea on a Friday or whatever. So right. you have to pick your right moment when you or, oh, my gosh, this is a they've just killed five ideas like this. I'm going to go back next week when I've done more homework. Yeah. So I think you have to um, be intuitive about how you do it. But you just let you, you, you have to believe that idea so passionately that get out of my way, get out of my way, yeah. because if this has to happen. You know, it's funny having worked on the number of projects we have. And one of the things that I've always valued about our relationship as a marketer is that you bleed creativity in a world that is right now seemingly bogged down in data and I'll use the word loosely finance um, and, and what we can afford. And I'm curious to know, as somebody who's been at the top of an organization like GE, um, how many years? I've been at GE 27 years. So. A long time. Half of it through NBC, but yeah. GE owned NBC. And as, as somebody who... Thomas Edison and I didn't start at the same time. I know you're thinking <laughs> that. We really I didn't. Don't think that. I don't have any good Edison gossip for you, sorry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what he was like to work with. Um, as somebody who's who's kind of seen, I'm sure, coming out of, you know, the what it was, financial crisis in the early 2000s and over the course of, of history when marketing has always been the thing or creativity has always been the thing that's easiest to wipe off the table because it doesn't match up to the bottom line. How have you faced that sort of adversity? I think there's a lot of marketers who listen to this show that go through ideas being sacrificed because they don't fit into a budget. What would you say to them? Well, I think the first thing is don't always ask permission. I mean, obviously, everybody has a boss. And so you can't just do things without some sort of order in most companies. But what I mean by that is too often people go around trying to get everybody's okay and everybody's approval as opposed to I'm doing this and I'd love your feedback to make sure you think it's great, but I'm doing this. I'm not asking you if I should do this. Mm -hmm. For example, legal often comes up a lot or <laughs> finance comes yeah. up. Yeah. And so if you go to finance and say, can I do this? They're probably going to say no, unless they understand the goals and objectives. If you say, here's what I'm doing. Here's how I'm going to spend my money. You know, can you help me through this challenge? I think it's very different. So that, that I think is really it. And I think you need, uh, for if you can get Customer data is all feedback is always helpful. So if a customer loves a story you've done, you know, play that up inside your organization. Find a few examples. So and so liked it. I think it's a lot of selling your ideas inside before you ever sell the idea outside. Sure. <laughs> so you recently, I think it was a Digiday article um, that I read and said something about marketers. You said something about, and I'm paraphrasing you. Please correct me, but marketers need to own their work. Do you think we've outsourced? creativity at large to partners and people we perceive as having a creative solution rather than kind of having the will to do it ourselves. 
Well, I don't think you can do everything yourself. So I think you do need great partners. Yeah. But I think you just can't outsource everything. And I think you have to understand your strategy. You have to create your strategy. Everybody's in search of great strategy. But if it starts with you, I mean, what are you trying to accomplish? And so I worry a lot that people are trying to delegate that, that, that then, uh, and then they get frustrated. They're like, no one knows strategy because you can't just make strategy out of nothing. Right. So that's something I, I worry about a lot. And I believe people need to own their story. You can't delegate your story to someone else. It has to be authentic. It has to be about you and the company you work for in the case of marketers. And I, I worry too often everybody chases after trying to do, oh, that was a great idea. So let me copy that. Mm. as opposed to what's my interpretation of that. Mm -hmm. um, and they're very different, I think. What are your non... So you have a ton of influences, and you've been really open about art, and you are a voracious reader. So when we were off mic, Beth said that she has a book fort that's basically built... <laughs> I'm right in the process now. of building my book, book fort. fort, which I loved because I got a visual of you climbing into you your have to book send us fort. A yeah. I will. I think that'd be fine. I'm going to do that. I love yeah. it. So I might have to shrink. We'll put it on a we'll, we'll post tiny it little on super a, guy. Exactly. Yes, yeah. we'll post it on our Instagram. I love it. Um, and you have a lot. You've been really vocal about like pulling influences from different places. But what are some like maybe non-obvious influences that you've had in your life and in your career that people maybe don't know about? Well, I grew up in a small town uh, in, in the Shenandoah Valley, Winchester, Virginia. I think coming from a small town has had a huge influence on me. I mean, I've, I've traveled the world. I've seen the world. I've worked for a very big company. I live in a very big city, New York City. But being from a small town has just given me a very different perspective. I mean, I grew up and everybody know, knows your name and it was all about your reputation. And, you know, my mother knew things before I ever did. My mother. <laughs> about I, you? Oh, my gosh. My mother <laughs> had the best intelligence network. She was a school teacher and she, she she would know things, have a temper, or even thought them. So I think there's something really um, just lovely about growing up in that that respect. So you sort of appreciate community, you appreciate the value of a network and yeah. people who have your back. So perhaps you're more trusting in going out into the world because you know you know where people are from. So yeah. I think that's something important to know where you're from and not forget about that. One thing that I always loved about you, working with you, was you rewarded people with your time and I think that idea that you just described of community and of getting to know people really came through in your work and for me and I think Laura as well when we would come in with an idea and we would see you like you sp by the way you sparkle when you're <laughs> excited about something and it's equally it's exciting to see and it's exciting to be around and what I thought was amazing was that you would reward us with some of your time. To but talk you say through. that like I was rewarded with the time too. I mean, that's what I love doing. It's just the energy. Like you said, I mean, it's just, uh, it's the creativity. Uh, it's the teamwork. It's that riff in yeah. a team. And think of those sessions. I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you, it's, to me, there's no place I'd rather be. It's just yeah. that energy and the give and take and the ideas. And it's not whose idea is great. It's just, let's get this out of the table. So I love that. I would, to tell you the truth, it wasn't giving my time. It was very selfish. Well, it was amazing. And I think it is a kind of, in my mind, uh, archetype, right, for leaders. Um, I'm not sure that in general, people feel like if they have an idea or they have a, a, a or they're passionate about something, that their leadership is going to understand it or even give enough time to it to sit down and work it through with them. And I think that that's really special. I mean, do you, you know, looking around at a lot of leaders you've met, do you think that 
there's more of that interpersonal side of business that needs to happen. Uh, to I, I, in a big way, I, I have this. Um, I do this uh, thing called Change Makers Book Club. We love it. Yeah. I, uh, I I did one with Satya Nardella uh, yes, of Microsoft, great. and um, I I thought it was so unique. He's, his perspective here, he's leading with empathy and mm. talking about it. The and story putting, about his son uh, was fascinating. It's amazing, and putting it yeah. in a book. And at one point, I said to him, "But you have to understand, CEOs don't talk like you." Yes. How is that? And so I think hopefully you'll see more people. I mean, he's doing the company's doing well. He's hiring great people. So I think you, you when you see people like that, it's so unique. And they, I think the more they get celebrated, hopefully the more it will encourage other leaders to step forward and lead with empathy. What are the lessons in leadership? I mean, obviously you've worked with leaders, governments, dignitaries all around the world. Is there a common denominator? You talked about looking for patterns um, that you found that really, especially in, in the world of brands and, and marketing and, and advertising, that you say, like, this is what I know a recipe for success is for a leader? Well, I think a good leader who has a good brand and is known is um, they work really hard. And I think mo- most people think they don't work, you know, maybe you think you don't work that hard, but they work really hard and they never take it for granted. Um, I can think of leaders I worked with, uh, Jack Welch, earlier in my career, and over to the day he retired, he was practicing Q&A to do interviews. He didn't have to do that at that. He was, you know, I, I, you, you see that with le- different leaders where they just, they take nothing for granted. And so I think that's about a good brand. You, the other thing I think good leaders do is they stay relevant. Um, it's you keep up with the times, you're open, mm-hmm. you try to make sure you understand how things are changing. And so I, I think good leaders are open too. What about change? I think good leaders, um, hopefully they have diverse teams and they have people who bring them ideas and they listen to them. They don't, I think the worst thing leaders can do is that they just listen to people like them. It's, yeah. yeah, it's so interesting. We're we're talking a lot on this show and have had executives in who represent what Alexa and I will politely call the old guard, um, people that have been in this industry for you know a number of years that are very esteemed jobs who are going through this. And then we also meet with a lot of what I'll call the new guard of executives, people that have developed startups and are entrepreneurial and challenging the way the industry um, works. And it's interesting to see how the ones who we seem to gravitate to Alexa and I are the ones that do what you just described. They stay relevant. They're willing and to listen and bring new people to the table. Whereas the ones who we see struggling to maintain ad revenue or relevancy in the market are the ones who kind of subscribe to the, well, that's the way it's been done. Yeah. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. I mean, I, I know having worked with Jeff Emmelt at, um, at GE, I mean, Alexa knows this. We would, uh, Linda Boff and I would do a a dinner at least once a year for him on media trends long after GE got out of NBC. Um, Just to keep contemporary, Jeff would want to know, he'd want to challenge people, he'd want to understand what is this new, you know, effort that like, what's podcasting about? What is whatever the newest technology and media was, he wanted to understand it. I always thought that was such a uh, encouraging sign. And it sent a good sign to Linda and I. Hey, here's somebody who's interested in the in the, some of the work we're doing. And you weren't like bringing in Jeff Zucker. I don't know why I picked his name. It has nothing to do with anything. You were bringing in people like Chris Poole. Yeah. Right. Who and created 4chan. Like, we were bringing in um, a lot of different thinkers like that. And um, uh, some of the new, I remember we brought in Anchor, you know, yeah. b- long before, I think they were just like out of the out of the starting block. Um, and he was very curious and very, and in fact, we did that on a lot of different subjects to Jeff and others. Just, I remember one um, really early on blockchain and Bitcoin. Yeah. 
you know, there's a part of the group that goes, oh, this is so irrelevant. This mm. is n- never going to happen. This is a joke. And then there are the few people who are like, wow, what if we were starting to say, what if, you know, as machines talk to machines, we may need that kind of currency for instantaneous transactions. So all you need is a couple of sparks and then suddenly it's relevant and people right. get engaged. How do you spot the what ifers? It sounds like an obvious question, but it's really not. It's not. I think you have to, t- honestly, I think you have to put them in those situations. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think all you can do is expose people to new ideas. One of the things we, um, we did at GE was we created this global insight network, the GIN network. And we should have drank gin and juice. We totally failed on the experience because we didn't do anything with real gin. But um, <laughs> but we got really great edge thinkers, like a great ones like Nina Tandon, oh, who, who Nina. of EpiBone, yeah. who's 3D printing bones. And, you know, people like Nina. Yeah. And it was way out on the edge stuff. And we were just voyeurs. I mean, it was just a way to bring these people together and have them learn. There were like 20 of them and they were talking with themselves. And we was just like brought to you by GE. Well, I think we've gotten to this place a lot of people in marketing talk about innovation and curiosity and it's almost become like the word of the day you know do we even know how to define innovation because everyone's defining it so many different ways yeah innovation storytelling another one right there but but the reason i think people are using them so much is because we still aren't good at it i totally agree right and so we're sort of like here we go again. But if we were good at maybe we'd have different words for it. You know, it's interesting um, having the unique opportunity to uh, work for both of you as, <laughs> as my clients. One of the things that I always um, appreciated was being able to come in and, and not be afraid to pitch or say anything because there was such this ethos of uh, freedom to fail and knowing that great ideas were going to come. Not every idea was going to hit the mark. I mean... Well, let's start with you had good ideas. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Laura came in and she proved herself that this was not just, you know... Cam, that's on record. We might have to rewind that that. later. Yeah, exactly. You had good ideas. I, I never felt the intimidation factor I think a lot of people face because there was this openness and willingness to say, it's okay if we fail, but if we don't try. So... I've seen permission slips on your desk for, for your colleagues. I've seen you openly talk about failure as, as a plus. Can you talk about in a world where we are anxiety ridden with this idea that if it's not perfect the first time, well, you know, Go forget home. it. Yeah. What You're talking meant. to a recovering perfectionist. So I'm only <laughs> um, somebody who's lived this whole my whole life. I, I, um, I don't like to fail. I'm not. I'm not here to say I love to fail, and I haven't said you know Laura yeah. fail because I love it. Sure. I just let's do it. Um, I just I feel like if you're into creativity, the first idea is never the best one, and you just have to keep working it and working it and working it. And uh, at G, we really sort of gravitated to tools, you know, things like Lean Startup, that this idea of a minimally viable product that give you a, a room to fail, but. Too often we put it on ourselves. We just beat ourselves up. So I think um, I think if you're going to be creative, you can't. You you have to get over the the perfectionist issue. The big thing for me was just asking for help. I remember early mm. in my career, I was afraid to a- I was afraid to ask. I was afraid to speak up, but I was afraid to ask for help. It meant I have weak. Um, I didn't ask my husband to help me in with the groceries. I didn't ask <laughs> you know my <laughs> colleagues to help me at work. And I, and I think I got feedback once saying. You just don't ask for help. You come in with your idea fully baked, and um, no one has any ability to put anything in here. And that mm. was such important feedback. And I think if I hadn't stopped and done some work on that, I w- wouldn't be here, and I would be not very happy. Is there one idea that, you know, are, are there any models that you're saying, 
that's really interesting. I, I, I would put my money down on this. Well, I, I think there are these more targeted media companies you're seeing out there. I think, um, I mean, everybody's going gaga for podcasts. You guys are doing this because they, they love the sponsorship model. But it's just one model. I mean, it's, and and yeah, so sure. I worry a little bit when things get put in a category of now everybody has to follow this exact trend. It's media. It's the way, uh, it, the way I, I think it's just the pie is getting bigger. The slices get smaller. And so to your point, That's Laura, we all have to, um, if, if you like challenges to be a marketer or in media right now, is incredibly exciting. It just yeah. means you have to be doing more things yeah. and you have to have an an experimental part of everything you do. And I think, again, back to where we said, I don't think people stick with it enough. Mm-hmm. So I think it's multimedia. And I'm not sure yet someone's come up with the perfect multimedia model. So if I were to say something that I'm curious about or that I'd love to be in search of, it's what's that right multimedia model where you can go from audio to video to something in text and somehow it's integrated. And mm-hmm. I think as people, we want more of that. I yeah. think also just the way we we segment audiences and we think about it. Um, I think it's really, I, I, I'd like to think we're going to much more of a state of mind segmentation. Yes. Um, and people have, that we're not just in a box. It's not just women of a certain age or, a, you know, we're not just business people. And I feel like we've been fighting that in marketing for a long time. And yeah. yet people are saying... I express myself differently in different ways. And we tend to look at it as the platform, not the expression. What are brands that you're looking at, Beth? I know obviously you've held a board seat at Nike and we've talked at length over the brands over the years that served up as inspiration. As we turn the page into 2018, we've talked a lot on the show about, you know, certain direct consumer brands that are just blowing our minds, like the Glossiers and the Caspers and all these guys who've figured out um, very specific models, but have prioritize marketing as a way to kind of scale quickly. Are there, you know, a handful that you'd look to and say, hey, these are people I want to collaborate in the future with because they're doing it differently? Um, I've been intrigued by what WeWork has been doing this year. I mean, just when you think you know them, you think, oh, they're just this big, you know, they're just gobbling up office space everywhere. They take a twist yeah. and they look at something different. I thought, um, I thought, um, you know, them being an investor in the wing was really smart. Yeah. I think what the wing's been doing has been a really sort of moment and a unique moment to express something that needed to be expressed in, in a pretty good way. I, um, I think so. I think it's those mashup things are really, really quite interesting. Yeah. And I think it's new IP, which is something that we talk about a yeah. lot. IP that couldn't be created by being individualistic. I think it's the the collaborative collaborative nature that's appealing. So 27 years at GE, and you're moving on to your next chapter. Literally. Literally. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Literally. Can you talk a bit about what comes next? And um, your book? Well, two things. I have a book I'm coming out with in September that I'm finishing up right now. It's called Imagine It Forward. And it's um, it's very much just about um, change and, and um, sort of summoning courage at work to make change happen because you believe so passionately in an idea that you'll die if it doesn't happen. So, um, so I'm very much targeting it to people who are kind of just starting out or midway through their career. So I'm excited about that. But that's um, that's just, you know, will come out later in the year. And then I'm going to take just take some time and discover. I really wanted just go off and sort of see what it's like to not have a set schedule and to not have a bunch of commitments and see what I am interested in. I've kind of forgotten some of those things about myself, Mm -hmm. or maybe I never knew them. So I'm very much just going to set off on a sort of discovery tour. I love it. Yeah, and I'd really like to go to some of these, I think, in these smaller cities. I mean, you've seen Steve Case do that with his uh, Rise of the Rest tour where he's been looking at entrepreneurs. But I think there are some really interesting, just there's really interesting creativity 
activity happening in um, a lot of cities, smaller cities around around the country. And I this summer was in Portland, Maine, and you know you just find these. We went to my husband and I went to this crazy. Uh, marching band concert uh, <laughs> at, 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 like in the middle of the night and you know just these like how did we get here but this was a lot of fun and so I think there's just a lot of creativity being expressed in different ways and people finding their way to be creative in places you wouldn't uh, in places you wouldn't expect so you'll definitely learn thing, new things about yourself I'm yeah. sure on these road trips well I learned I didn't like marching band music <laughs> really? that would be it was a fun experience but I'm not going to go like follow this band mm-hmm. <laughs> um was there anything in writing your book that surprised yourself? Uh, how hard it is. People say it's hard. I had a co-writer. Uh, I worked with a, a, co- a co-writer who's done a lot named Tal Ra. So it was, it was, that was hard because he's not in my head. And I had to, like, you know, interpret things. Um, I had a job. So I, you know, I, I couldn't. I spent all my weekends. So I haven't been exercising as much. I haven't read as many books as I'd like to. I don't know the latest cool music because I've been a hermit for the past 18 months. You've been building your book for Been it. building that. So um, I think I think also just... Um, coming to terms with things that you that I didn't do right you know and just sort of in some ways I'm trying to be very personal and lessons learned um, trying to be um, hopefully that lessons learned could be wisdom that someone else could take so I think you have those moments where you have to go ah, you didn't do that well and you have to own up it own up to it are there best values that you've never deviated from and that you would say like I'm question. proud that I I kept true to those things it's a great question I mean I think um I, I think believe in the team. You know, mm. it's about the team. Um, and if I've deviated from that, I always regret it, right? It's mm. just those, just you, you, it catches up with you. Um, I think just be truthful, right? Just, you know, I used to always um, fess up when something went wrong before I needed to. And I always felt that, that was just get ahead of it. Just say, this is a problem. We're going to deal with it as opposed to try to hide it. So that, that would be um, that would be another thing. And I um, I guess just stay hungry for good, good ideas. Um, there's just, you're never done. It's just, you're never done. And then I guess my last thing is just, I work for better. I wake up every day. I love, I, it's all about personal development, leadership development. I tend to like working with people like that. If we're all trying to get better together, it's it's a good it's a good place. Yeah. As somebody who is what we consider like the ultimate in girl boss, what was the most pivotal moment of your career? Well, I think for me it was taking I was at CBS top rated I was doing CBS Entertainment Publicity top rated network. And I went back to NBC and the news division, worst rated network. The news division was about to shut down. They had done real fake news. Um, and it was the be- one of the best jobs even today that I've ever had because it was rising up out of the ashes and we mm-hmm. got to form a new team and anything was possible. And a lot of people told me not to take that job, that I'd ruin my career, I'd ruin my reputation, but I just knew I had to take it. So to me, that was pivotal just to be given that chance and, and frankly, just to take a chance on something that didn't seem clear. And it gave me confidence. Hey, you, your gut's right. Go with it. Yeah. What would be the one thing, because obviously people see you as one of the most powerful women in business in the world. What is something that people don't know about you that they would be absolutely shocked to learn? Well, I, I'm a Howard Stern super fan, so I think people would be <laughs> probably surprised to I hear that. 
Um, so is Linda. Uh, yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think we've ever talked about that, yeah, actually. Yeah, she's like super Howard Stern fan. Yeah, yeah. So You should definitely stop there on your road trip. <laughs> I should. <laughs> I, should. I, uh, I don't think I have any juicy stories to share there, though. Um, so I, I think that would probably, that would probably be... That would a shocker. Be, that would be a shocker. Um, I, I like really crazy. I like to laugh. I like really body You're jokes. You're actually really funny. Well, I think I might. people might be surprised to ha- find I have a sense of humor. You're very funny. And I actually snarky think you're a little... Snarky as hell, too. Snark- I've seen you at a dinner party. Say, <laughs> you are like, sn- like snark- snarky. You're like in the, best way. in the funniest little antagonistic, like cool, like, hey, do you get it? Like smart, funny. And I remember walking in once and laughing at something you said and no one else laughed. And I was like, guys... <laughs> It's fucking funny. Like, <laughs> funny. <laughs> so, so I think um, we've hit kill by DIY. Do you know um, what this is? You know we our ha- game. We ask people at the end, what would you kill? Anything in the world, not humans. <laughs> um, what would you buy if you could buy it? And what would you do it. yourself? Well, right now I would like to do art myself. Love. Um, I'd actually like to buy art if I had enough money. I'd love a, a, a Jean-Michel Basquiat. I love his artwork. I, love, I artwork. love it. And it's just, it's obscene, the money for that. So I, um, um, and then the other is. What would you kill? Kill. Um, I just kill the hatred that, that's in the world right now. I just think, again, I, I worry that we're not thinking about the future. And yeah. I think we're just too sucked up in our trying to be right and our, our just hatred of people who we think aren't right, that we're not fa- focusing on the future and making making it happen. Beth Comstock has been a super honor. And like, truly, Laura and I... Talk we're about your super fans. I love what you're doing with Atlantia. I Thank love it. It's taking off. You'll Thank come you. back on your book tour, right? I will yeah. if you'll have me back. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, um, I, I think it's important to have fresh voices, and what you guys are doing to bring fresh voices. Um, the media and marketing world isn't going to change unless we give people a chance to be heard. Yeah. And um, it's it's changing fast, and people, I think, don't believe how fast it's changing. It's changing faster than anyone can imagine. Yeah, I agree. Thank so you. I think Beth. I'm going to make a prediction for you for 2018 and beyond. You are going to be more badass, more powerful when the world gets to have you unleashed at large. Thank you. But I might not come out of my book for it, so I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you will. (laughs) We'll bring you out. We'll drop the mic. We'll drop the mic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. So with that, thank you, Beth Comstock. We will be talking to you in 2018. Come see us on your book tour. Big thanks to Cameron Drews. Matt Turk, Andy Bowers, and Jacob Weisberg, who stopped in the studio today. Good to see you, Jacob. You've all been naughty. Maybe, Cam, you've been nice sometimes. Sometimes. And we hope, Atlantia, you have an amazing closeout of 2017. We'll see you next year. Full disclosure, our opinions are our own. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. 
Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.